0: I would say honesty is the best mm-hmm. policy. It's okay to have a script. It's okay to have, you know, something queued up that you want to say, but honestly, just being personable is, is really important. Like, Hey, this is Ryan with phone burner. I'm just calling you to tell you about our power dialer software. Do you have five, five to 10 minutes to talk? Just really kind of throwing it out there on the front end. I mean, you have, you have such a small window of opportunity to, to get someone to continue that phone call with you. But really one of the goals is just, just to get the answer in the first place. We're living in a world of scam likely and spam likely, uh, where people are just not answering those phone. calls calls because it's flagged as spam. So there's no right or wrong way. I would just err on the side of honesty and transparency. I think that's going a lot further.
1: You're listening to the Paris Talks Marketing Podcast, where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue based companies. Our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing, most successful SaaS companies today. The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, H-O-P.online, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. And today, my guest is Ryan Williams. Ryan is a Senior Demand Gen Manager at PhoneBurner.com. And he's also a husband and father of two boys, both under the age of four. And that sounds like a handful. <laughs> By trade, he's an agency marketer turned B2B SaaS marketer. Currently, he leads up demand generation for PhoneBurner a power dialer software company that makes prospecting easier and more profitable. When Ryan isn't working, he's listening to or playing music, reading, binging podcasts like this one, thank you very much, by the way, playing with his kids or watching sports. So Ryan, welcome to the show.
0: Paris, thanks for having me. Like I told you before, I'm a big fan of the show, so honored to be here.
1: It's great to have you. So I see that you're recently about two months into the role at Phone burner, and you've had a really interesting career path, and you've described your your path as going from an agency marketer which is something I can certainly relate to, turned B2B SaaS marketer. Can you walk us through your career progression from agency side to, to SaaS?
0: Absolutely, It's been uh, it's, it's not been linear uh, by any means. I actually went to college for mechanical engineering, did that for about a year and a half, decided I wanted something a bit more and a bit different. So I went into marketing, kind of blind to be honest. And so when I graduated, I, actually my senior year, I, I went into sales. Um, so I was taking online classes my last semester, went into sales for a digital agency. And uh, built a lot of skills, did that for about a year, kind of went back into, you know, channel fulfillment, Google ads, SEO, all of those things. That was more my speed. And uh, so I did that, you know, sales for about a year, went into channel fulfillment, went to a couple different agencies, worked at three total. And then I just decided that I wanted to see if the grass was greener and uh, just kind of test things out in the in the client side, B2B waters. So after my last agency, I worked for a company called First Orion. They're in the branded color ID space. Um, if you're familiar with Haya, Newstar, those types of companies, very, very similar. And then recently landed a job here at Foam Burner. Jesse, my boss, sort of rallied the troops and uh, gave me a good pitch and convinced me to join the team. So I feel blessed to to be here in this position.
1: So what are the main differences that you have found working inside of an agency and presumably serving some SaaS clients versus now being a marketer inside of a SaaS company? How's that transition been? What are, the, what are the key differences?
0: The first thing that comes to mind is speed. Obviously, you know, if you're an agency marketer, you're working on different projects. You're juggling many different tasks at once. Uh, depending on how the agency operates and what vertical and, and industry you're in, when you go B2B for for one company or you go client side, that's my way of saying you know in-house uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. You're just working on one company and, and their marketing and their content and their paid media. And so I say the speed is a little bit different. Again, that's just my experience going from the agencies I worked at and then going to other B2B Mm -hmm. companies. I would say depth is another word that comes to mind. Not saying that agencies cannot go deep. Um, I think what you guys are doing, you know, focusing on SaaS is great because you guys know SaaS inside and out. But other agencies that may focus on too many different verticals, they're kind of spread pretty thin. And so I've found that I'm just able to go a bit deeper into the data. I have access to more data. I can work with sales. I can work with customer success. I can work with product. So access to data and depth and just knowledge of the product has really been a game changer for me personally, Mm -hmm. or I guess it's allowed me to open those doors a bit more that I always wanted to open.
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the product, PhoneBurner. It's a power dialer, and I've I've done a bit of research in this space, and I have to admit that our agency has tried rather unsuccessfully at doing outbound marketing and sales with the use of power dialer in the past. Where does PhoneBurner sit in the competitive space of uh, power dialers, and what makes you all unique? Sure. Uh,
0: first off, outbound is hard. It just depends on the use case. You know, if, if people are expecting a phone call. That's one thing, but if they're not, it's a completely other ball game. is unique in the sense that we're a power dialer. Uh, there's a lot more auto dialers, automatic dialers, or predictive dialers on the market. Mm-hmm. We are a power dialer, which is very similar, but but also very different. I would say that on the on the scale of company size, we're probably on the smaller end. Um, we've got about 80 total. John Rydell, Paul Rydell, the, the founders of the company, they started this company a while back, and it's had many different iterations. But um, at the core of what we do has always been our power dialer software. And so we've been in business for a long time. We've we've seen steady growth. Uh, I would say we're entering into a stage of more increased growth. Um, they're really investing in marketing and sales and product, expanding what what our offerings are. And so, yeah, we're just different in the sense that it's a power dialer and not a, an auto dialer or predictive dialer.
1: Can you explain that to me though? What is a power dialer? How is it different than an auto, an auto dialer?
0: Sure. First, let me start with an auto dialer because I think that kind of sets the stage and it's what most people are, are used to. So an auto dialer, you upload a list of contacts or you integrate it with your CRM, and it just repeatedly dials numbers over and over and over. It dials them faster, which is a you know obviously a pro for auto dialers. The issue with auto dialers is whenever there's a connection and you you get someone that answers the phone on the other end. Um, so in the back end, it's it's dialing number after number after number for your prospects. Whenever it does reach a live transfer, there's a slight they call it a telemarketing delay because it has to be transferred to a live person after someone picks up the phone. So that's a big selling point for us. A power dialer, on the other hand, we're just dialing one number at a time. And so think about this. You you upload a list of prospects or you integrate with your CRM. It's dialing that number and that number only. And whenever someone answers, there's no delay because you're already prepared to talk to that person. Mm -hmm. Our product, on the other hand, as well, have the ability to, if someone doesn't answer, we do a one-click voicemail, one-click email, Mm -hmm. or enter them into whatever sequence we have queued up for that, that list. And so let me switch over to predictive dialer because that's something that we, we're not as as related to predictive dialers as auto dialers. Predictive dialers are multi-line dialers. So they're dialing, you know, we're talking hundreds, thousands of contacts at once. And mm-hmm. the algorithm that they use is based on the the number of agents that they have available uh, to potentially take those calls. So it's, it's essentially predicting how many agents are going to be able to field, how many different types of calls. And then same thing, whenever a call is answered by the person on the other end, there's a telemarketing delay because you have to wait. It doesn't get transferred until someone physically picks up the phone and you have that signal. So there's that little bit of hello and then pause, transfer, mm-hmm. and then the person on the outbound side gets transferred. So yeah, we have a ton yeah. of people that... Uh, <laughs> come to us looking for for one thing, they don't necessarily know the difference. But when we tell them the difference and show them the difference with our product, it's kind of a no brainer for them. And and we have we have great success results.
1: Mm-hmm. Power dialer, that's really interesting. And where does the dialer sit in the sequence typically? And when I say sequence, outbound sequence for many of our listeners, especially in SaaS, are doing some some form of, of nurture sequencing with platforms like Sales Loft or Outreach I.O. is another big one. And this could be, um, it could be emails, it could be SMSs, uh, LinkedIn messaging, and then some direct phone calling. Where does a direct phone call typically sit in terms of a, an outreach sequence? How many touch points? Is it earlier, mid-stage, late? stage yeah how do people think about designing that
0: great question yeah it definitely depends obviously on the organization it depends on the salesperson it depends on the industry but Typically earlier, we find that it's typically you know a list of colder prospects, and so if you think about the way that our platform is structured, whenever you call dial dial numbers, it's usually higher in the sequence. You dial a number, and then you have the ability to send that email after uh, if someone doesn't answer, or send that voicemail. So typically, the phone call for us, we see a lot of use cases that comes first, but it really just depends. And then we have use cases where you know people are dialing the same the same list. Few different times, and so phone calls first. Then you have an email drop, you have a voicemail drop, and then you probably wait a few days. and Then you do another phone call, same type of thing, but usually earlier in the the cycle.
1: Okay. Are there any best practices that you can share with either how to design a voicemail drop or what to even what to say? Let's imagine that this is a SaaS company, a B two B SaaS company doing outbound. What to say even in the first say five seconds to prevent a hang up or get people to at least take a breath and and decide to to listen to you for a few seconds.
0: Yeah, I want to start first with a funny story. There was this TikTok trend going around uh, a few months ago where people were uh, just being overly honest in their cold calls. People were recording them and basically saying, hey, this is a cold call. Do you want to hang up? Or do you want to talk to me? And uh, so we saw a lot of people doing that. And um, I think people, (laughs) prospects were starting to catch on. um, So hopefully people are not doing that anymore. But I would say honesty is the best Mm -hmm. policy. You know, it's okay to have a script. It's okay to have, you know, something queued up that you want to say. But honestly, just being personable is is really important. That uh, translates to email as well. But just being honest, like, hey, this is this is Ryan with PhoneBurner. I'm just calling you to tell you about our Power Dialer software. Do you have five five to 10 minutes to talk? Just really kind of throwing it out there on the front end. I mean, you, ha- you have such a small window of opportunity to, to get someone to continue that phone call with you. But really, one of the goals is just, just to get the answer in the first place. My background is, again, in the telecom space, and I come from the world of branded caller ID. We're living in a world of scam likely and spam likely, uh, where people are just not answering those phone calls because it's flagged as spam so with our platform as well we actually have those capabilities to use local numbers use local id and actually brand phone calls for our 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 clients and, and customers so there's no right or wrong way i would just err on the side of honesty and transparency i think that's going a lot further especially in these days where we're living in a spam and scam likely world
1: yeah now, I suppose that you all have a healthy mix of outbound going on and inbound marketing. And before before we delve into that, for our SaaS marketing audience that's listening, and I imagine a lot of them are trying to figure out how to balance or integrate inbound strategies with outbound strategies. Do you have any insights that you can share from either your phone burner or previous experience where inbound and outbound don't necessarily have to exist or coexist in silos, but rather they, they work together, they complement each other in some way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Fun story, and we're very transparent about this. But Phoneburner has built our company without any sort of outbound motion, uh, which is sort of unique. Okay. Um, so you it's know, we, so ironic. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we're we're obviously working on on some things there and, and expanding into outbound. But it's pretty it's pretty incredible. That's the power of the product. Everything has been inbound. Uh, the power of marketing and, and sales and relationships and referrals. So I always tell that because it's kind of ironic, but it's kind of neat at the same time. So I. I to to that note, a lot of a lot of organizations I see start with inbound first, and they sort of build that engine, and then they start doing outbound. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, it it makes it makes a lot of sense for companies to to partner on that front. But there there are key differences as well. When you think about prospecting and, and doing outbound, um, especially in SaaS, I mean the things have changed over the past few years. Where ABM is just—it's so important, and so crucial. Mm-hmm. So I encourage any B two B SaaS company that's doing outbound that isn't doing ABM to really consider it. But there, there are uh, there are obviously differences as well. Uh, the sequences that you use. Um, whenever someone does an inbound lead, they're showing higher intent, uh, so you want to serve them different content and you want to serve them different messages. Um, if you're doing outbound, they may not have heard of phone burner before. Uh, So the content and the pitch, um, the scripts, everything is completely different. So I see a lot of, you know, when you think about sales and SDRs and AEs and BDRs, completely different skill sets if someone has inbound versus outbound. And so that's something that I see a lot of, a lot of orgs try to do it all at once. um, And they try to assume Mm -hmm. that. That if someone's done outbound before that they've also done inbound, but it's a completely different, completely different engine and completely different software is required to capture inbound uh, and and to conduct outbound. So if you think about our dialer, it's completely an outbound motion. If you think about CRMs, Salesforce, for example, more set up for an inbound motion, unless you have a dialer on top of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely parallels there, but there's also a ton of differences and it's worth splitting it into separate, separate structures and and sequences and completely different strategies.
1: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And let's talk about the category now, because you all are in a very niche category that I think it lives under a broader umbrella of outbound, or I guess they call it sales enablement or sales, what was the term? Uh, well, sales uh, sales engagement software, yeah. where that's dominated by Sales Loft and Outreach and a bunch of others. Now, you're competing head to head with other types of direct, with specific use case dialers, predictive dialers, auto dialers, maybe some other power dialers. But then you're also competing with the built-in dialer capabilities of, of your pipe drives and your HubSpots and your Outreach IOs and Sales Lofts where are can you describe how those competitive battlefields are different with your niche competitors versus the broader competitors that just bake in the dialer to their to their software
0: yeah great great question we're seeing more and more dialers pop up uh, as we go um, all of the big even the call center software companies like ring central um, Zoom, Zoom Info, I believe has a dialer. It's incredible. I mean, the, the landscape is just so competitive. And so I would start with that. You know, we just don't really, there's no chance that we go head to head with one of the big guys. That's not really our pitch, but at the same time, our focus is on our power dialer software. Um, obviously we have email sequencing, we have an email builder, we have templates, we have SMS, we have branded caller ID. But at the end of the day, our power dialer is our bread and butter. That's what we've built mm-hmm. over the past 15, 20 years. I'm ballparking there i don't know the exact number but that that's kind of how we how we view it we're focusing on our product making it better each and every day our integrations are really key and happy to talk about abm if we have time but on the the prospecting and abm motion for us our Salesforce integration is phenomenal. We get a lot of great feedback on it. The customers that use the Salesforce integration don't churn hardly at all compared to, you know, some of the other industries or maybe standalone that don't have a CRM. Same with HubSpot and Zoho CRM. So that is our, that is our focus. Our focus is the integration, our Power Dialer software, um, and really kind of owning that space. And so if you look organically, you know, we show up pretty well for all three of those categories. Same for Power Dialer. We're trying to own that sub niche of a larger industry, but we also have to pay attention, right? There's a lot of companies that are, you know, kind of launching these new dialers, new types of dialers, new integrations, more of a customer engagement software all in one. So we're, we're very aware of all of those, those things going on, but at the same time, we're trying not to become distracted. Um, what comes to mind is that, that Michael Phelps meme, whenever, you know, he was, he was racing and that other guy was, was watching him as he was racing, but he was like trailing behind him. I really feel like that's the case here at Phone Burner. You know, we're just focused on, on what we can do and the value we can provide for our clients and customers. While still being aware of what everyone else is doing in the market.
1: Yeah. What you said there, something that you said was very interesting, which is that there's a noticeable difference in a higher value customer of someone who is going to integrate it into their Salesforce instance. I think that the, I mean, bundling is, is a big theme right now in SaaS. I think a lot of people have extremely complex te- uh, SaaS tech stacks and companies that can integrate seamlessly and help customers to re- rebundle and simplify then i think that's a really good thing and the clickup comes to mind here because we were big fans of clickup and they've rebundled a lot a lot of things but what's interesting there is that you have a one i guess one marketing strategy for getting your high value crm inter- integration customers versus your standalone customers and does that knowing that the 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 ltv is is considerably higher especially with Salesforce or CRM integrations. Do you focus most of your marketing strategy on those types of customers? And does that change? Do you have different strategies for your standalone versus your CRM integrators?
0: Yeah, great question. It is it is changing every single day. Whenever I first joined Phone Burner, admittedly, we were doing a ton of demand capture tactics. So you think about Google Ads, mm-hmm. remarketing, display YouTube, LinkedIn remarketing, even Facebook remarketing. And so really, honestly, that's a big reason why I was brought in is to you know, introduce a lot more uh, demand generation and and brand awareness, Mm -hmm. you know, creating an affinity for our our product. I'm coining a, a Chris Walker at Refine Labs term. Uh, the word affinity uh, really just comes to mind. But yeah, we we recognize that we have a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of things that we want to focus on, but you can't pull the rug out from underneath you all at once. You have to sort of peel back the layers one at a time to make sure the engine is still running, the outbound or the the inbound leads are still coming in um, mm-hmm. while, you know, taking one, two, three, four, five 5% of the budget at a time and, and moving it over to one really specific part of your ICP. That's also yeah. kind of challenging for us because, you know, there's so many different use cases for foam burner. Uh, we have mortgage customers. We have, you know, individual mortgage advisors that use us and we have big teams that use us. We have SaaS companies that use us. We have real estate. Uh, We have insurance, financial services. Like there's so many different use cases um, and mm-hmm. trying to cater to all of those people at once is incredibly tough, especially when you're on a, a set marketing budget. So we're trying to be strategic about it, use the data to influence, you know, what percentage we use to go after, you know, Salesforce users, HubSpot users, et cetera. Okay. So I hope that answers your question.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm asking through the lens of defining LTV by uh, these two different ICPs, one with a CRM integration and one without, but you've got also the industry. And that was interesting that so many different industries are using this tool. Do you also analyze the relative lifetime value of your customers broken out by industry type?
0: Yes. I would say that I do not have that data. We have a strategic account management team. We have our technology teams. They're looking mm-hmm. at those things daily. We get weekly reports from them. So I know for a fact they have the data. Yeah. I don't have it readily available top of mind. Yeah. But, but
1: yeah. I could imagine, and, and maybe you already have this, but I can imagine a massive ICP matrix that you all have. And on one axis, it is the CRM. Salesforce, HubSpot, et cetera. And the other access. it's the industry. And then in each of those boxes, you have you have a micro persona and that persona needs content, landing pages, videos, creatives, its own mini messaging strategy. And that would allow you all to really go to market, specifically speaking to an industry use case cross with a CRM. And so if I'm a financial advisor using PipeDrive, I would arrive at a landing page showing me exactly how financial advisors have had success using it inside of PipeDrive and perhaps, Perhaps even with a customer testimonial of someone exactly like me. That sounds like a perfect world, but do you all, are you all do you all have something like that, or are working towards something like that?
0: We have something like that. Matrix was a great way to describe it because that's that's really what it looks like. We're working to improve it. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, we're we're eighty strong at the company, but we've we've hired a lot of people recently. Myself, mm-hmm. we hired a new RevOps ops, marketing ops person, strategic account management for us is fairly new. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, we're we're maturing in a lot of ways. But yeah, it, it's interesting because, and I think a lot of people get pigeonholed, you know, looking at one individual persona. Uh, when for mm-hmm. us, we have we have hundreds. It's not always a yeah. VP of sales. Sometimes it's an insurance agent. We have to cater to solo users and also teams. But at the end of the day, we also know that teams stick around a lot longer, higher lifetime value. Same thing if you if you layer on teams plus Salesforce. Uh, So it almost looks more like a math equation than it does, you know, a matrix in many ways.
1: Yeah, you you just introduced a whole nother dimension there, which is the role in the organization. Yeah. And you can think of that as a, maybe a, a ladder of seniority. If you, your primary users are going to be salespeople. Probably your budget holders, your decision makers or gatekeepers will be the, the higher ups, the managers of those people, or maybe, maybe even people that, um, that are in charge of the tech stack itself. And it becomes very complex when you think about from that angle. Now I want to I want to talk about the two primary motions that I see from your website. One is a product-led growth motion (PLG), which is initiated through a classic start, a free trial button, mm-hmm. or a call to action. And I also see a get demo CTA, which um, allows me to start to get a demo from a salesperson. The more classic sales-led of all the current qualified MQLs or SQLs that you're bringing in right now, what is the breakout between your PLG-driven leads and your sales-led motion leads?
0: Yeah, great question. I would, without having the, again, having the numbers top of mind, I would guess it's probably a 50-50 split and I could be wrong Mm -hmm. on that. We get a lot of free trial users because we... We graciously offer 60 minutes of free dial time. You have mm-hmm. to be a verified business. You have to be a fer- have a verified phone number. We don't just let people come in and start dialing. So I'm, I'm thankful that we have a, a great, robust fraud bot detection you know, motion here. Our technology team is incredible. But mm-hmm. we get a, f- a lot of free trial users. They want to test it out for 60 minutes, uh, which is mm-hmm. surprisingly a lot of time. And then we'll mm-hmm. get people that use it for three, four, five minutes. And they're like, yeah, let's upgrade now. So it's mm-hmm. very complex. We get those free trial users. And then they do a free trial and then they convert to a demo. We have a lot of people that do the free trial and then they upgrade without even talking to sales, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Yeah. We wish we could have you know, helped them with the setup process a lot more, again, which we're working on. And then we have a lot of people that do a demo, but I'm actually going to change my answer. I would probably say it's more 60-40 uh, free trial because we have so many free oh, okay. trial users yeah that do end up upgrading without, without doing the demo. So I think it's probably more that's weighted. really
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah. I also generally seeing a trend more towards product led growth within SaaS. And I think that that's driven by the preferences of the, of the, the buyer. Informed buyers feel that if they get their hands on the product, especially if you're, if you've already bought in the category. So if somebody's switching over from a competitor, or maybe they're switching over to the built-in dialer inside of the CRM, which didn't really get the job done and they decided, Hey, I need a, I need a special tool that I can integrate or whatever the case may be. They feel that they need to get their hands on the product and they can determine pretty quickly if it's going to work because yep. they have a pain point and they'll quickly determine that, hey, this solves my pain point versus maybe a new to the category buyer, which might decide, hey, I really want somebody to walk me through and explain to me how this all works. And then, and there we might be getting towards the ABM side of things, which we're going to cover in a sec. But what's interesting to me is the product-led growth motion that you all are doing something very unique here, which is it's not a seven-day trial or 14-day trial. It's a 60-minute trial. This is the shortest trial I've ever heard of, but it's 60 talk time minutes, right? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. To clarify. Yeah. They are allowed to dial for 60 minutes, which you think you can burn through that pretty quickly. I mean, that's, that's a lot of dial time.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I could imagine that that's a lot of trial conversations that you can have. Are those the people who are utilizing that 60 minutes, the fastest, let's say, I don't know if they, if they utilize the whole 60 minutes in the first seven days, is that a predictor at all of somebody that is going to actually upgrade into the paid and perhaps have a higher lifetime value?
0: Yeah, solid question. Uh, because we find that it's a mixed bag. Honestly, we find that a lot of people and I, I talked about fraud and, and spam, you know, we're fighting that. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people who just want to use it for the 60 minutes, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, we, we're also okay with them not upgrading and then churning later. So the, it's kind of a red flag whenever someone burns through it so quickly. What's also another red flag is oh. when they have multiple team members sign up at once and mm-hmm. then use all the minutes really quickly because we recognize that they're probably not going to upgrade. We're, we're not. Way. It's not always the case, but...
1: That's counterintuitive to me. Yeah. Uh, so they have a single use case and, and they want to they pack it into the trial and, and use it and dump it?
0: Yeah. Or they have a, so think about someone that just has a list of, you know, say 10,000 contacts and that's the only list that they've acquired or purchased or wherever they get it from their, their third-party source. Once they're through that list, you know, they're kind of done. Yeah. Which again, isn't really an ideal client. You know, we want the customers that, you know, have a solid pipeline. They they have a, a solid number of inbound leads that they're trying to dial. So it is counterintuitive, but we definitely see a lot of that as well. And so it just, it just depends yeah. on, on the use case. There's so many different, it's very complex, so many different use cases. And again, our technology team is incredible because they have a pulse on pretty much every piece of this. And same with our sales and account management team, they kind of recognize behaviors of pretrial users and demo users, but we also try not to be biased as well.
1: Yeah. That's very interesting and it's counterintuitive to what most SaaS companies would say is heavy usage and inviting other people and building a team quickly inside of the product often would be a great predictor of low churn rate, high LTV. But in your case, it's the opposite. It's someone that has a small list and that list is not growing and it's not getting refreshed over time. And they want to they simply burn through it on a one-time usage. Yep. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I guess then if you go to those websites, you also want to see customers that have clear evidence of, of an inbound marketing flow that is collecting phone numbers, right? It depends forms or otherwise.
0: Yeah, it definitely depends. I mean, we don't necessarily know how they're getting, you know, all of their contacts and prospects information. It's either probably outbound or they're acquiring lists yeah. There's so many different ways. So again, we can't be biased, yeah. but yeah, we definitely, you know, it's very unique in the sense that our features that you get access to, of course, they're limited on the free trial. One thing that comes to mind is that with our dialer, you can dial from your browser. So you don't even have to plug up a phone or anything, or you can dial from your phone and just call into the, mm-hmm. you can virtually use any phone system. So on the free trial, you actually can't use the browser, so it's limited in, in the sense that yeah, if, if they're burning through that many numbers all at once, multiple team members, and then they don't communicate with sales, they don't answer our phone calls, those are more the red flags of predictors of yeah, gotcha. of churn okay. or um, lack of upgrade. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Now a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online, that's hop, and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. All right. Now I want to go to ABM. So this is the very top of the, of the sales led pyramid, I think is ABM. So th- this is your whale hunting. And I imagine that you're not doing outbound yet, but I, I do equate ABM as, as including and incorporating outbound motions uh, along with inbound. How do you, are you all doing ABM at Phone Burner right now?
0: Yes. Yes, we are. Um...
1: Can you walk me through how how you do that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you said whale hunting, I did listen to that episode you had, and I, I forget the guy's name. Uh, great conversation, but he also said you know something along the lines of you have to have some fish in there as well, uh-huh. which is so true. But uh, yeah, again, we're we're gearing up to do more outbound without you know giving out too much information. So there's definitely a need for alignment between marketing and sales. You know which which accounts are we prioritizing, and so we're obviously starting more on the end of we're going to advertise to these companies within our ICP that use Salesforce, that use Zoho, that use HubSpot in hopes that they will give us some sort of inbound action. That is ultimately a slam dunk. That would be a great win for us. But we recognize that those expectations are not, conversion rates are going to be pretty low. So we have to align our expectations with sales and also our strategy with sales. So as they gear up to do more outbound, hey, here's the list or the companies or the domains that, that we're going after. Can you incorporate this into your outbound motion as well? And again, you know, we're a smaller company. We've got 80 people. We're not advertising to, to thousands of these companies at once. We believe in reach frequency to the, the right companies that really fit our ICP. So we're more leaning on the side of here's our top 100 accounts and dream clients that we want to work with we're going to advertise to them, whether it's LinkedIn display, high intent, Google searches, those types of things. And also in conjunction with that, when they're being served ads and the decision makers within those companies are being served our ads, sales is also trying to do an outbound motion to them, whether it's LinkedIn, you know, sales navigator, cold emails, phone calls, you name it. So there has to be alignment there. We're definitely doing ABM. And we're we're, again, back to our conversation earlier, we're trying to scale more into ABM, knowing that Mm -hmm. historically we've done more just demand capture and you know, sort of letting people come to us. We're we're being more proactive and um, getting in front of those people and, and letting them know who we are and what we do and what the benefit would be.
1: Yeah, gotcha. My understanding of ABM also is that it's very, very content hungry. In order to go after a specific company, You've got to develop content that very narrowly and that speaks to them very, very precisely in terms of their industry, the size of their company, even maybe different types of content that speak to different roles in that organization so that it feels very, very personalized. And at the same time, you're doing content marketing for your general inbound marketing strategy as well. How do you think about content marketing and balancing, creating content for inbound as, as the company's always done and letting people naturally come to you versus also either leveraging that same content or developing more content that's specifically for outbound push type content for ABM?
0: Yeah, great question. First off, our content team is incredible. So I have to give a shout out to Will Schmidt. He's incredible. My boss, Jesse, has a content background. It just he's, he's our director of marketing, but he's just such a great content-driven marketer. The the content that we have has accumulated over the the many years. I have to give a shout out as well to Alan uh, who is on our team, Jose our our developer and, and web designer. But we have so much good content that supports all of this inbound motion and all the all the things that I do from a from a demand generation standpoint. So we have it by industry, by use case. Um, we have it all the traditional you know power dollar alternatives, auto dollar alternatives, those types of things, competitor alternatives. We have content for that. Mm-hmm. Again, we have a ton of data that that our technology team has and. Again, we're just a data-driven company and it's really cliche to say that, but it's so true. I also think about you know, our, our outbound sales team, something that, that I think we do really well and, and I, it's, it's for inbound as well, but whenever we, we, uh, we talk to a prospect, we're showing them the platform. We're not really doing a ton of pitch decks. We're not really creating that content. Um, at the end of the day, our, our, our customers are familiar with with CRMs. They're familiar with with sales and in the process. We put more emphasis on the demos and showing them the actual platform than we do the content on that side. Obviously, with larger logos and larger clients, that is different. We put a lot more mm-hmm. emphasis on that. Um, but really our success is all of our sales team, they just know the product in and out. All of our support team, they know the product in and out. And that's that's really kind of a key factor for us. And um, so we definitely utilize the content that we have on the marketing side and the inbound and outbound side, but also the sales team utilizes it when they need to, but really they're in the weeds with, with the product and showing what it looks like and what they could expect to see and, and, and use.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, now I've got I've to ask you since you did indicate that you're willing to talk about this, Google ads. Sure. And I just pulled a few keywords here. And do I still have that open? <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, auto dialer, predictive dialer, power dialer. Now, auto dialer has a little bit more volume yep. in the US. But for the most part, these terms are very close in terms of their surge volume. And you all are nailing the power dialer. What I, My question here is that can you all compete the, the sales lofts and outreaches of the world and uh, and even perhaps the HubSpots and the Zoho's of the world are also bidding on those terms. Now, you all are an integration piece into those. Can you really compete in, in search auctions and paid search auctions with those big players for those terms? And if not, how do you find adjacent search intent in other places where you yeah. can compete?
0: Solid question. So again, my career history uh, started in sales and then quickly moved into Google ads. So it's something that I've had a love-hate relationship the past, you know, eight years. Oh, don't we all. (laughs) Um, But I love that platform. It's it's the one that I've been in pretty much every day since I started in it in some capacity, whether it's, you know, agency life or in-house marketing. But I think it goes back to just knowing what our strengths are and focusing on those. We even see, if you were to look at our Google ads account today, you would see that we put a lot less emphasis on spending budget on predictive dialer keywords, because we know that those people just do not, if they're looking for a predictive dialer, they're looking for something specific and we can still try to convert them. But the conversion rate for predictive dialer searches is a lot lower than auto dialer searches because we're more similar to an auto dialer. Same thing with, you know, Captera. If you see our listing on there, when we have traffic that comes from Captera or G2 from predictive dialers, the conversation with sales are just not as smooth. They're looking for something mm-hmm. very specific. And so we have more success with auto dialer. So to answer your question, we don't really try to compete. We just try to focus on what our strengths are and spending budget in the most efficient way possible. Power dialer has less search volume because there's a lot fewer power dialers out there, but we are owning that piece both paid and organically. Um, I think if you search organically for power dialer, we should hopefully be popping up pretty high up there.
1: Um, I looked at that. According to Ahrefs, you're number five organically. We'll take it. Not bad. yeah, we'll, yeah. T- we'll take
0: it. Yeah. But something that, that also comes to mind is just the really, really, really high intent, long tail keywords, you know, power dialer for Salesforce. We're owning yeah. that space as well. Again, we could go 100 different ways because we integrate with over 100 different apps and CRMs, um, but mm-hmm. we recognize where our strengths are when you, we're using data to figure out where we need to be and where we need to put our time and energy and, and our budget.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think this this is a really interesting landscape for paid search. And also the categories are fascinating with how G2 and the Captera types of the the categorization of predictive dialers versus auto dialers or or power dialers. Well, as I suppose as as we wrap up here, Ryan, this is this has all been really great. And and it sounds like you're off to a great start in your first couple of months there. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wished I would have asked you or that you feel would benefit our audience?
0: Oh, man, I, I don't know. Um, there's so many different ways. And this is a great conversation, by the way. But I just again, I just feel blessed to be to be in the world of B2B marketing and, and have the agency background. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's so important. You know, like I've seen a ton of agencies that try to do it all at once and uh, they fall short and spread themselves thin. So I really like what what you guys are doing and, and really focusing on SaaS. So uh, I'm a big fan of the show. I love all the content you're putting out. And uh, yeah, I am just, again, I feel lucky to be at Phone Burner. It's a great, great organization, great culture. And if there's one thing I didn't mention, it's I think that's what sets us apart. We may not be the biggest player uh, in the game. We may not be the biggest fish, but uh, we really take care of our customers and they stick around for a while. So yeah, I, I think it was a great conversation. I think we covered a lot, but I just appreciate being on here.
1: Yeah, it was a great conversation, Ryan. And love to have you on again as a guest. I wish you all the best at Phone Burner. And thanks again for coming on the show.
0: All right, thanks, Paris.
1: Take care another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hophop.online. Have a great day.